You know, I did two messages uh, recently on end times, you know, uh, and the first one, it was a couple weeks back on Sunday where we talked about Israel in Bible prophecy, amen, and that God, and then I actually I did three because then Wednesday after that, I did a message called, Is God Done with the Jews? No. Absolutely not. So then after that, the Sunday last week, I preached on uh, the Islamic Antichrist and false prophet. And by the way, I wish I had more time to get into all that in that message, but we talked about Islamic Antichrist, but the false prophet, what will he look like? Come on, what's he going to look like? A lamb, but he'll speak like a dragon. And uh, it's very likely, I believe, very likely, although we'll have to see how it turns out when that goes down, that that's where the Pope would come in, you know, the leader of the Roman Catholic Church, because he, he looks like a lamb. He claims to represent Christ. He claims to be the vicar of Christ instead of Christ on this planet. He's been hanging out a lot with the Iranians and stuff, you know, uh, lately, which is kind of interesting, uh, talking to them and so forth. And uh, I wish I could get into all that more depth, but it's just interesting because uh, there's going to be a major religious leader that will be a cohort with the, fall, with the Antichrist, and it's all going to go down. I wish I had time to explain that all more. This was going to be the last part for a while on Bible prophecy in regard to what's going on, unless I, I would keep praying and seek the Lord. And if he moved on my heart, I would do another message, of course, on because things are going to develop, right? So I was going to do one or two messages maybe on, on Bible prophecy uh, and then get back to some of the topical things we're doing and eventually get into Jude and James. Thanks, bro. That would be very, very helpful. So, uh, uh, so all this is very, very important. Thank you so much, bro. But I woke up this morning, and you know what? I, I, I'm so rude sometimes. People bring me water. I set it down, and almost every time I never drink it because I just get going again. And I'm going to take a drink this time because I think that's rude to people that bring it to me. But I'm not trying to be rude if I forget sometimes. So excuse me one second. I'm going to turn around. I gotta be careful because sometimes, you know, I get like I have a hole in my bottom of my chin, I think, you know, if I drink too fast. Anyway. So, praise the Lord, you guys. Good to see everybody. Amen. Father, fill us with your spirit. I changed my message this morning. <laughs> so, and it was gonna be on end times, the bigger picture, looking at Daniel's, the vision he had of these beasts. Look at Ebenezer's image, having graphics up there so you can understand it because it's so just. Shows you what's going on in the time which we live. And I was excited about that message. But I've had a hard time lately because, uh, well, I was excited about doing that message. But, you know, uh, <laughs> it's been hard to, you know, Tony's traveling and Tommy's getting married. Which, praise the Lord, all that's happened. That needs to happen. Amen. And Tommy's going to come in early and get my graphics for that. And that was really cool of him. And, uh, and, and Josh has just been worked to the bone. So he took a couple days off in Pismo. Uh, so... Uh, I thought, you know what? And Tommy said, hey, I could do it this morning. And I woke up, and I had more graphics than I'm going to show you today. And I'm going to show those graphics, because I called Tommy up, and I said, Tommy. And then I texted him, and we got in touch. I go, hey, bro, don't worry about getting all that done this morning. I've totally changed my message. So the message I'm going to do today is because something really, really, really just grieved my heart, you guys. A story that I read this morning. And I saw something that a brother left in like a thread. Some of the brothers that we go to retreats with, we do a retreat over in the East Coast, you know. And uh, we have a bunch of the brothers that are connected to the good fight out there. We go out to Massachusetts about every year. And I don't know, they get 40, 50 guys or so. And it's neat. We have a great time. And, uh, and I'm on one of those threads. And one of the brothers just dropped a line. He goes, can you believe this? And I saw that a few days ago. I thought, yeah, that's crazy. I just wrote, that's crazy. And I can't always answer, even I'm always getting texts, so sometimes I'm just quick if I get back, you know. And I was like, I thought about that. And then I started researching, I started looking at, you know, and I saw a story this morning, and I was just so grieved. I was like, wow, this is just so heartbreaking, what's going on? And the church needs to be awake, because now our attention to what's going on in a global level to a degree, right, with these huge wars and, you know, China sending ships. I mean, you realize how big China is, right, and Russia? They're the greatest world powers besides us. And they're, they're, doing, they're practicing military maneuvers not too long ago together. And then Russia just simulated dropping nukes, you know, exercise they just did a few days ago, you know. And they're supporting Iran and the stuff that's going on, you know, with Hamas and so forth to a degree, right? And we're supporting Israel. And a lot of crazy stuff's going to go down. A lot of, things get, a lot of bad things are going to hit the fan. And we need to be understanding of that. Well, like, we should be very, very interested in what the Bible says about that. Amen? Especially since we can know ahead of time. Amen? And we're called to know these things ahead of time. So I want to get all that, but you know, there's other things going on that are just happening in the church 
that by way of practical application, we need to make sure we're not allowing these things in our homes, in our churches, you know? And I just read it. I was like, man, I need to give a warning to the church. And, and you know, and, and I know a lot of you guys know the scripture. You're on board. You're watching your life. You're watching what, and you're making sure you know what the word says and you're living by it. That's great. But we get together to just hone our walk in the spirit, man. Make sure, sure, sure that our swords sharp, sharpened. Amen. Now we know the swords are swords are shot. Uh, Sores already sharp, <laughs> but are we wielding it correctly? You know, because it's the word of God sharper than any two edged sword. Amen. Dividing bone and marrow. You know, uh, and it's amazing we have the word of God. So, but it's just really, really crazy what's going on because the Bible predicts a great falling away in the end of days. You know, many, many passages warn not only about that, but it. it and here we are. I believe that's already beginning. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, it'll become more intensified. He said, they'll deliver you over to be killed. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. Amen. He said, lawlessness will increase. The love of many will grow cold. There'll be many false Christs and false prophets. They'll deceive many, right? And he tells us, he says, many will fall away at that time. And then he warns them in verse 13, right after they said, he says, he that endures the end will be what? Will be saved context of being saved there is not living to the end of the tribulation as some wanted to say it's the context of a great falling away and the apostle paul said in first timothy 4 that the holy spirit warns clearly expressly obviously explicitly depending on your translation that there'll be this falling away and there'll be doctrines of demons in the end of days and then paul says in second thessalonians 2 he warns again about that falling away he says concerning the rapture Concerning Christ's coming, are being gathered together to him, the rapture. It says, don't be deceived. That day will not take place until two things happen first. What are they? There'll be a what? A great falling away. Apostasia. We get the word apostasy, which means fall, to fall away. In the Greek New Testament, that's how the word was understood in the first century. And then what happens? And the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition, who sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Amen? And you guys... So concerning Christ's coming, I'll be gathered together in the rapture. That's not going to happen. No, when? Two things happen first. The fall away, the way the church is messed up there too, right? They think the rapture's happened before those two things. I get interviewed a lot lately on the radio, and some people are like, man, you know, I'm getting interviewed. The rapture's coming, praise the Lord, you know, like any moment. I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, help me navigate these interviews, you know. Uh, and, uh, but my point is this, guys. It warns about these, this great falling away over and over again. Crazy. But guess what? It's not just when the Antichrist comes. It starts before that. Because Paul tells Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. For time will come when they will not heed sound doctrine, sound teaching. But after their own desires, they'll themselves many teachers who will tickle their ears and what? Tell them what they want to hear. Now, brothers and sisters, crazy things are going on. Could you imagine... I mean, I, w I lived in a time, I know I'm getting old. I always say I'm getting old. Now I'm saying I'm just old, you know. I just turned 60, so I guess I'm old now, you know. I feel like I could still do everything, you know. You know? And I remember my son, Josiah, challenged me to race. And I and could typically whip him. I'm pretty fast for a big guy. And then we go out in the front yard, and I go, you want to race? Okay. And I was like, I was probably about 45 then, you know. Still kind of old, right, I guess. By his, he's probably thinking I'm ancient. And then he turns backwards to race me backwards. I thought, that is such an insult. <laughs> I said, you know what? I don't want to embarrass you. Let's just not even do it if you're going to do that. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I raced him and I beat him. But if we turned forward, I know he could beat me now. And I know he could beat me then. He could beat me forward then because I think we raced forward too. And I'm like, he could beat me. And I'm like, wow, man. I knew that day was probably coming super athletic, you know. And he, 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 I told him I was going to use illustration. He said, can you put in the word super, super handsome too, Dad? I said, no, just, I can't do that. No, no. No, he didn't say that, but he is a cute guy. But anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's crazy, though, when you think about it, because I've seen things change so much. I remember homosexuality, you know, when I was young, everybody was new. It's wrong. We're male and female. And now it's not just out of the closet, but then just a few years after that, it's getting paraded on the streets, right? And now Christians are being shoved in the closet, right? 
And the hundreds of millions of people that disagree with it, that our various religions are told to go into the closet, you know? And it's interesting what's going on. But I want you guys to, I mean, I just saw a song, and this was so grieving. And it was about, the song, I mean, it was promoting homosexuality, done by a drag queen, and who is, you know, homosexual. Uh, it, it seemed to insinuate, insinuate necromancy, which is condemning the Bible, communicating with the spirits, right? Because it's done in a graveyard part of the video. Uh, you'll see it, and there's all these stones. And there's blasphemy of God, because the lyrics talk about, you know, insinuate that, hey, things are just an allegory. We shouldn't wait for a literal God, you know, to save us. And this person, and this, this song is about how the person's a medium, they're, they're, they're a, you know, a spiritist contacting spirits, and they're the ones that will save us. And we could put the first picture of, this song, of the person that does this song, and it's interesting because the song's called Fortune Teller. And you've heard of Amy Grant? Okay, the name of this artist, so-called, is Flamey. Flamey instead of Amy. I think it's Flamey Grant. Uh, yeah, and it's a man. He looks, I've seen him with other people. He's probably about my size or so. Uh, Flamey Grant. And uh, one of, I'll read, we'll look at a tweet from this guy. Uh, in the next slide, we'll see a tweet. And I think he's got that tweet. The next slide, or whatever the next slide is. Okay. Oh, Tommy, did you see the text or just the pictures? Is Tommy here? Oh, I had a bunch of texts to, for, I was wondering how you got done so quick, bro. I'm like, man, you got done so quick. Okay, yeah, can I have the lights on? Pictures are worth a thousand words, though, bro, so we're still good. Okay, we'll put the lights on. We'll, we'll go back to that. You can get rid of that. I mean, just turn it blank. So thank you, bro. This, this guy tweets, flame, instead of Amy, Amy Grant was this top, you know, so-called Christian artist for years. And this, this guy goes by Flamey Grant, you know. And if, if I'm be, he, he tweets, if me being a raging homo is what's causing fault lines to move and influencing weather patterns, at least I have the pleasure of knowing uh, it's deeply unsettling for DJ Tanner. Okay. So claims to be, you know, homosexual and so forth. And I want to read you some of the lyrics from the songs, uh, song. Uh, I'm a medium. It's called Fortune Teller. I'm a medium. I'm a fortune teller. I know every good, I know every word you're going to say. Um, headstrong, lifelong city dweller. I can take you where you're going to be, uh, be by, uh, by the fastest way. It's going to be okay. I've traveled time. I'm here from the future. I can uh, show you uh, how this all turns out. I can save you, and so forth. So this person is saying they can save you, right? They can tell the future. They can say every word that's going to come out of your mouth. Do you know anybody like that, by the way? That's a lie. Yeah, only God. This person basically claimed to be God, Okay. And it's a lie, of course. Later in the song, I've been, uh, I'm a prophetess. That's what this guy is singing. Singing my story. A dressed up, evident, uh, effervescent, ethical fraud. Ethical fraud? I'd agree with that part. The only part of the song I'd agree with, probably. But uh, this world ain't ready for an allegory. No, we're still waiting for a literal God. You know, it's just mockery. In fact, I'll show you just a minute of that video. If we could play that video clip, it would be great. Thanks, Jonathan. And thanks, Tommy, for getting here early, man. You know, uh, it's chopped up. It's just little pieces. I don't want to play the whole song. You get a feel. More of that volume, yeah. Yeah, before the sound was turned up, you would have heard it um, singing, you know, I'm a medium and all that stuff, or fortune, whatever, you know. Anyway, you get the drift, right? Well, the sad thing is, is, first of all, and it just breaks my heart, is when you, how, just, how sad this is, because, and this is what grieved my heart so much, is 
this guy's music has just like shot up the charts of Christian music. Okay, yeah, made it to the top of uh, the charts of, of Christian music. Uh, and uh, in fact, I'll give a couple more quotes from this guy. Baptist News writes about Flaming, Flamey Grant's single, Good Day, with Webb, who's, by the way, a member of Kadem's Call. They did that, that other, the, uh, uh, this other song together. Uh, very popular so-called Christian band. Uh, Flamey Grant's single, Good Day, with Webb, and album Bible Belt, Baby, soaring to the top of the Christian uh, contemporary music charts. This isn't the first time an openly queer artist has been in the top spot of the Christian charts. That's why, I mean, it's just, the world's the world, you know, and we need to say, yeah, we need to discern the difference between right and wrong and so forth. But it's interesting uh, when you see this, uh, and he just talks about, I've got quotes from the artist himself and so forth, talking about, you know, uh, the song and, or talking about his music and how he's reached the top and so forth. And, uh, yeah, and I'm just, you know, talking about, talks about his song and so forth. I'm not going to give all the quotes, but anyway, uh, he says, I'm the first drag queen. I'll give you this one. I'm the first drag queen to have a worship song on the iTunes Christian charts. Can we go from number four to number one? And it reached number one. I mean, it reached number two for a while. I don't know if it reached number one because I just didn't f- keep following the song. It's like, wow, man. And it's interesting because he's pushing his homosexuality and transsexualism, right? And he's pushing, you know, occultism, right? Mocking God, claiming that he can save you. He knows the future. Look to him. He's your fortune teller. And it's absolutely crazy what's going on in the church. And it's absolutely crazy. Uh, in fact, you know what? Uh, I bought a board game. Not to play it. In fact, I didn't open it until this morning. But I bought this board game. It's a tarot game, tarot card game, where you can get the future. But it's called the Holy Spirit Board. Communicate directly with Jesus Christ. You know? Yeah, crazy. I know, what a trippy church to go to. We talk about these things, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. And we need, to, we need to, right? We're family. I mean, we need to know. Yeah. I've shown some of these things and when I was in one of the Netherlands, and they were like, can you show this stuff at church? And the pastor goes, this is the very place he should be showing this stuff. And I go, amen, brother. You know. Oh, by the way, okay, there's the Ouija board. There's the magic cross, which isn't really a magic cross. They call it a magic cross. And you put your hands on this and so forth, and and then the, you're, you're supposed to be led. The Holy, does the Holy Spirit lead us that way? No. Oh, demonic spirits will lead you that way, you know? And uh, so I'll just read, you know, the inside. How do you use the Holy Spirit board? The Holy Spirit board is the only spirit board that you can and your friends can use to communicate directly with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, either in a group or by yourself. Gives you steps. Place the game board on the table or a, or a sturdy flat surface. Place the magic cross on the board. Have everyone lay their hands upon the magic cross and say to the following prayer. Oh, magical Jesus, please guide our hands to answer our questions. Amen. Next, ask Jesus a question. Uh, it can be any question that you want. Jesus knows everything. Let the Holy Spirit guide your hands and, and uh, move the magic cross around the board. You can ask yes or no question or let the magic cross spell out your answer one letter at a time. When Jesus has answered all your questions, don't forget to say goodbye. And remember, anyone who says that the Holy Spirit board doesn't work is both a liar and a sinner in the eyes of our Lord. Amen. All righty. Okay. I was going to crush it, but I didn't want to be overly dramatic, you know. I'll, get, I'll crush it later. But, uh, oh, I got a fire pit. That's where that's actually going, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll burn it later. Uh, Lisa, do not be tempted, baby. Okay. <laughs> but crazy things, man, in the church. And I've just been grieved by these things that it's like, what in the world? And I looked at comments in, in the, in the, uh, on the section of people's reviews, and some are like, this thing is so great. Praise God. I'm like, there's witchcraft in the church, guys. I had a whole message when I was speaking up in New York recently at a conference we did up there about witchcraft in the church. And I wish I would have had that board game with me, you know, not to play, but to rebuke, you know. So it's crazy what's going on. In fact, the Bible warns about occultism and all these things we're talking about in the last days entering the church. 
In fact, in 2 Timothy 3, when it says, you know this, that know this perilous times will come, right? It says all these horrible things will happen. But it says, just as Jannies and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men will oppose the truth. Jannies and Jambres were guys that tried to counterfeit the miracles of God for Satan's kingdom, amen, in Egypt. And those kinds of people will be in the church smuggling in Satan's lies. And we need to be aware of that. And you're like, a lot of you are like, of course I'd never fall for that, but people aren't being taught the word of God. So they're being taught, you know, the Bible says don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. But a lot of the church is sticking their finger in the air and saying, what's the world doing? How could I not be persecuted? Oh, I need to be tolerant. And, and Jesus is all about love. Therefore, we just accept anything that's, and don't judge anything, of course, and don't confront anything. Just accept everything. And that's a lie, man. There's spiritual poison that we need to test everything. The Bible says test everything, hold fast that which is good. We need to walk in love. We need to be discerning in our love, amen. But if we truly have love, well, Joe, we just got to be loving and tolerant. Yeah, amen, but guess what? The Bible says when it defines love, that love rejoices in the truth. If you truly have love, you're going to rejoice in God's truth, amen. You know, and it's heartbreaking. You know, I was just fellowshipping with Brother Renal, and he said he'd visited a big church sometime back, and, and he said the pastor, the first and only time visiting that church, and he says the pastor was talking about uh, how we really shouldn't confront anything that we think is wrong, because, you know, we don't confront. And then Renal was like with, there with Ripple, and he was a bit disturbed, and then he saw this pastor, I'm not naming names or churches, but just giving an example, is he saw the pastor, it was a coffee shop, Renal, and he was with his son, you know, and uh, which he's a, got an awesome son, you know. And uh, he confronted that pastor. He just lovingly said, hey, do you mean don't confront anything at all? Like if somebody's going down the, when, where's the line? Is there ever a line? Is, I think you said, is there ever a line we're supposed to confront someone? Is that it? Yeah. And he said the pastor wouldn't answer him. And then he just said, hey, have a good day or something. I got to go. Is that, did I get that right? Praise God. That broke my heart to hear that. I was like, what in the world? And you all know the name of the church? Not far from here. I'm like, what in the world? Because he's thinking, you know, and he's being humble. Bernal's being humble. Like, well, you know, maybe I'm just, it just wasn't clear. And then he got further disclarity, if that's a word, you know. So it's heartbreaking, you guys. So we have to keep our eyes open. The Bible is very clear on these subjects we're talking about. And the Bible warns in the last days, there'd not only be occultism, but there'd be a lot of sexual sin. In Revelation 9, verses 19 through 21, it gives a vice list of those who refuse to repent and the reason God continued to pour out his trumpet judgments, or I should you know, pour out his bowl judgments, the trumpet judgments just before that. In that context, the trumpet judgments are happening, and then the bowl judgments are happening. It says because they did not repent. And they don't repent of their sorcery, you know, like games like that, and illicit drugs to open themselves up to spirits, and some translate magical arts, others witchcraft. But they don't commit, they don't, uh, they refuse to repent of their, their idolatry, putting things before God. They refuse to repent of their sexual sin, porneo, from which we get the word pornography. And it's just crazy. But you know what? The Bible condemns sorcery. This person sings in this song, Flaming Grant, uh, sings in the song about how the answer is through occult powers. Like, you know, that person's the answer. Not looking for a literal God and this person will guide you into the future and save you. But you know what the Bible says about going to occultists for answers? Listen to what it says in Isaiah 47, verse 12. You can go there if you want. Now use your, it's, it's, it's a derogatory, rhetorical, kind of sarcastic declaration against seeking out occultists for answers. Now use your magical charms. Use the spells you have worked at all these years. Maybe they will do some good. Maybe they can make someone afraid of you. Because he's saying to Babylon, judgment's coming. And now if you're not going to turn to me, then seek them out. But he's going to say, but it's not going to work if you seek the occultists, if you seek the astrologers, if you seek the mediums, if you seek the spiritists. Now use your magical charms. Use the spells you have worked all these years. Maybe they will do you some good. Maybe they can uh, make someone afraid of you. All the advice you receive has made you tired. Where are all your astrologers, those stargazers whom make predictions each month? Let them stand up and save you from what the future holds. But they are like straw burning in a fire. They cannot even save themselves from the flame. 
you will get to help them. I'm sorry, you will get no help from them at all. Their heart is uh, has or their, their hearth uh, is no place to sit for warmth. And all your friends, those with whom you have done business since childhood, will go their own ways, turning a deaf ear to your cries. They're not going to be able to save you in the end. Only God can save you in the end. Amen. Now it's interesting if we look at these pictures again. Uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, we'll go back to like maybe the second one, the first one, and then the second one. Uh, you know, the Bible says, it talks about how, you know, it'll be like it was in the, la- the last days, it says, Second Peter. He says it'll be like it was with the false prophets back in the day again. And what were the false prophets witnessing? They'll call good evil and evil good, it says, right? They'll put light for darkness and darkness for light. And that's what's going on today. Also, and in 2 Timothy 3, it says they'll be despisers of those that are good. They'll hate those that are good. Okay, so you're going to be hated. Jesus said you'll be hated by everyone because of his namesake. Amen? So that's all prophesied. And it's interesting. On the left, you have so-called, you know, Flaming Grant, and then our Flaming Grant. And then next to him, you have another guy. Those are both guys, okay? I'm just biologically speaking, right? Reality, truth. Uh, the next one is Derek Webb, okay? Now, Derek Webb is a, uh, you know, he's a, uh, a member of Kadem's Call, which has had a bunch of Christian airplay through the years, okay? And, uh, and you can look at the next slide. We'll show the next slide. This is a song they've done together. Uh, uh, boys will be girls, okay? In fact, you could back up one, and that's a picture of, of Webb, or the one that uh, right there, that's Derek Webb, you know, uh, and so forth. Okay, we can lose those again. Thanks, bro, very much. Uh, now, what does the Bible say about this? I have an incredibly strong conviction that's unrelenting, and it's not just I think, it's I know, that God is God. He created us. That he's revealed himself through his word. I don't doubt it. Like, God, you are awesome. I humbled myself before you. You've revealed yourself. I was lost. You know, now I'm found. I was lost in darkness. I was anti the God of the Bible. Very strongly, if you ask any of my old friends, ask my family members, you know them. They're, you know, they go here and some have moved to our extension church, Blessed Hope, uh, Idaho. You know, are part of that church now. And I came to Christ and he woke me up. But it was amazing seeing what the Bible said would happen in the world where it would go, go. And God, the Lord God warns. You know what the Bible says? If somebody asks you, well, hey, hey, you know, is it wrong for me to, you know, cut my member off as a man and become a woman? And, and is it wrong for me to wear dresses now and stuff? You know? What, what scripture would you say? Can you say, oh, I feel it's wrong. Can you go to the scripture? You know? Well, here's a scripture you should go to. You should know what the Bible says. In fact, you want to know a lot of things in life, right? You want to grow in knowledge, right? Shouldn't you grow in knowledge of things that matter most? What does the Bible say about eternal life? What does the Bible say about how we should live life? How, how, do, we get, how do people get set free? Jesus says you'll know the truth, the truth of what? Set you free, amen? He says if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. We should know the truth. And the Bible is really clear about that. One of the first applications you need to make to your, to your life when you go to church is before you go to church. You say, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to have open ears to the Word of God. The Bible says, you know, uh, but everyone's to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. He says, therefore, you know, let all uh, wickedness and, and that remains of, you know, filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, he says, to turn from it and receive the Word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And he says, prove yourselves to be doers of the word, not hearers only. So when you come to fellowship, he says, put in away all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, right? And receive the word engrafted, which is able to save your souls. So you should have a prepared heart through the week. You should be seeking the Lord through the week. And then before you come to church Sunday, you say, Lord, I prayed that prayer, you know, show us wonderful things from your word. You know, give us, you know, um, uh, you know open the eyes of our understanding. Give us the, uh, the tongues of learned disciples, you know, and speak the truth. Live, know the truth. Speak the truth, live the truth, walk your talk, amen? So we need to know what the word says. How are we going to help people? We, there's a lost and dying world on its way to hell, and we need to reach them for Christ. It's going to get harder and harder, you know? You thought it's, it's hard to stand up for Jesus, right? Well, guess what? It's going to be hard pretty soon to stand up for Israel and say, no, God has a promise to that nation. Oh, yeah, they're far from perfect like everybody else, but he made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he wasn't done with Israel, amen? And you're going to be hated for all kinds of reasons, your, your stand for Christ, your stand for uh, traditional godly marriage, biblical marriage, amen? 
that, you know, you're going to be for your stand. Hey, no, the, God says he's got a plan for Israel. And by the way, there's like mm, 49 different Muslim nations, one little Israel. And they're so tiny and they can't exist. You ever see the signs that are marching all over the campuses today in the United States? You know, Palestine will be free from, you know, from the river to the sea. Have you seen any of those signs, anybody? Yeah, they're holding these big river to sea. You know what that is? That's from Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. That's all of Israel. That's all of Israel's gone. Okay? And many of the Hamas understands it that way. So when you take a stand, <coughs> the woke folks are now the folks that were doing the whole BLM thing and everything. And BLM's charter. And we're, praise God for black people, white people, yellow people, green people, whatever people. You know? Praise God for them all. But BLM stood for the destruction of, on their charter, it was called for the end of the nuclear family. Okay? There was a lot of that whole woke folks, those are the guys now, college captains being rallied against Israel. So we have, as Christians, you've got to say, no, I'm going to take my stand. I'm not going to fall away. I'm not going to be a whip. I'm not going to cave in. My life is very fast. I'm going to live it for Jesus no matter what. Amen? <coughs> so this is very, very important. Good to see you, sister. Are you still in Florida? Yes. Praise the Lord. I haven't seen you in, what, how long has it been? You're in four months. Just in case I don't see you afterwards, good to see you guys. Just to go here, then they moved to Florida. Love you guys. And I heard we have visitors from Minnesota. Is that true? Good to see you guys. Have I met you guys before? Give you a big hug. I meet you now. Make sure you come up afterwards. You too, sister. And say hi, okay? Praise the Lord. What's that? He says take a drink. I say don't drink. At least don't drink too much for sure. Because, you know. Oh, he told me to take a drink. I'm sorry. Where'd it go? Oh, there it is. Thanks, Jimmy. He's saying it for his benefit, too. He can't hear me as well. Praise the Lord. Yeah, listen to what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 22.5. This is the kind of stuff you need to know. You know, you, you go quiz and you face life and you face tests in life and you need to know. It's like, man, I'm going to have this and I need to know what it says. Man, you need to know what God's Word says because we're talking about life. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about eternity. Amen. Your, your kid starts stressing up. Your boy starts stressing up like a little girl. You know, he's 12 years old, and he says, you know, now he's 17 years old. He says, I want to get a sex change, you know. He's in your home. You love that person. You, you, you love them, but you say, i got to share the truth with you. You know, I know this is hard to receive, but I believe this is God's word, and this is what he says. And before you mutilate your body, the one that you were created to have, you need to think this through. There's no biological evidence that you are another sex other than one you are, you know. And look what Deuteronomy 22, 5 says. It says, A woman shall not wear a man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's clothing. For whoever does these things is an abomination to your God. Now that's interesting. It doesn't just say it is an abomination doing that, but it says you become an abomination before God. Now listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. In fact, can you go there quickly? Because to me, this is, you, you will go back to God's, you know, he's, debating with these Jewish leaders, not about this issue, but about easy divorce where you just divorce for any reason at all. Jesus is telling them, no, that's not God's intent. It wasn't God's intent for you to just divorce for any reason at all. And he goes to what we call, oftentimes it's called in law, the law of first mention. When you can show the first intent. When they argue law, or they argue even constitutional law in our country, if you can go back and see the intent of those who, the intent of those who formed a law, you get a lot of headway because you show the spirit behind the law. Well, Jesus is showing what God's original intention was with making us male and female. Verse 4, he says, And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them what? Male and female. And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his, does it say his husband? Wife. No, to his wife. And the two shall become what? One. One flesh. And that's how life is produced, okay? And... The scriptures are very, very clear about this. But the Bible, well, Joe, you give me an Old Testament verse on dressing up like a woman, but I don't know any New Testament verses that say I can't, as a man, be effeminate, you know? Well, yeah, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And when you get there, park at verse 9 for a second. Paul writes, and he's warning the brothers, according to verse 8. This is for the church. It's a warning to believers. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, 
That's if you're involved in pornet. It was sexual sin. You're outside of your marriage. Nor idolaters. Nor adulterers. That's a married person sleeping with not people they're not married to. Then he says something very interesting. Nor effeminate. Nor homosexuals. Okay? That's our son of koitai. It literally means men betters, men that bet other men. That's what the gets. Paul coined a new word right there in the Greek. He took it from the Old Testament of separate words. Men shall not lie in a bed with another man to have relations with them, to know them. And he takes that bed and men together in the Greek and puts our son of koitais together. Words that mean men betters, you know. Men shall not be betting other men. And anybody, because guess what? The Greek, listen to this, the Greek Septuagint. Listen to what I'm saying. The Greek Septuagint was a Greek translation of the Old Testament done by Jews who knew Greek very well, scholars. And they translated that scripture about bed, men bedding other men. They translated that into arsenikoitas. Okay? Are the words they use are the words that make arsenikoitas that Paul uses later and puts together as one word. Okay? They take those, he takes those Greek words. So anybody knowing the Greek Old Testament, translation of the Hebrew, would say, oh, yeah, he's talking about that, those verses that warn against men being with other men. There's no, I say that, guys, you know why? Because a lot of people today, a lot of people today uh, want to say, oh, well, you know, that's a new word. We don't really know what it means. Oh, yeah, they knew exactly what it meant. And that's why almost, I think every translation I've seen, I haven't seen the so-called gay translation of this verse, but translates it homosexual. But notice what he has before homosexual. Nor what? Nor what? Nor effeminate. Okay? Nor effeminate. I got the NASB here. Yeah. Uh, 1995. uh, Effeminate. says, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers. They will not what? They will not inherit the kingdom of God, guys. Okay? This is amazing. So clear. But so many people today are in churches doing these things. By the way, you know who's on there? You say, whoo, I'm glad I don't do any of that. You know what's on there too is revilers. That's abusive speech. Do you cuss people out? Do you use your speech abusively to hurt other people? Are you a gossip constantly, you know, tearing down other people? Or are you seeking to love people and bless them and encourage them? You might be on this list after all. Make sure you're careful. You know, James chapter 1, I think it's verse 25, you know. He says, you know, if a man does not bridle his tongue, right, but deceives his own heart, right, that his, his, if a man thinks himself to be religious, yet he does not bridle his heart, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. So you want to make sure you, we're watching ourselves. Because it's wrong when people go to this list and they just pick on this or that. No, all these things are sins. Are you saying, yeah, homosexual is wrong, but you're committing fornication? Or you're involved in adultery? I love you, but... Man, Joe, I didn't come here. I came to be encouraged, not convicted about my adultery. I love you, man. I'm here because I, I love you, and I'm going to say the truth. If you're in adultery, you need to repent big time because you're not going to heaven. Amen? No man's going to... So one man's like, I've got to go pee right now, but they're going to think it's me. You know? Yeah. Don't worry. If you've got to go pee, great. But we're going to see if you go to the bathroom or not. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. But and it's crazy because now it's interesting the word effeminate is malakoi. It's the translated from the Greek. If you're trying to say it in Greek, you say malakoi. M-A-L-A-K-O-I. Malakoi. And it was interesting. I did a word study on that and how it was used in the first and second century. And it's used of men who sh- oftentimes of, like of men who shave their bodies of any hair. Wear perfume, wear women's clothes, you know, it's used of, sometimes it's translated as soft men, you know. Uh, it's, and it's interesting because the BDAG dictionary, I'm just giving you the abbreviation of the, one of the most respected Greek dictionaries says of this word malakoi, pertaining to being passive in a same-sex relationship. So the homosexual would be the man or any two men that were involved in a gay relationship, but malakoi refers to the passive partner, one that acted as the female. You'll see sometimes with lesbians, you'll see one that's more butch, right? One that's more feminine often. Because they, it's kind of interesting how that happens because they recognize there should be a male and a female. 
And that's why they do that. I mean, they're, intuitively they know there's something wrong here, so one of us should look like the man, you know? And, and, and you know, just if, like if I said, if you're caught up in homosexuality or adultery, you need to love these people. We need to love them, amen? I've counseled people that are no longer involved in homosexuality, okay? Because they've seen my heart that I love them, that I care for them as I care for my own kids, my own family members. I don't want to see them uh, uh, hurt their lives. Just like I'd warn about somebody who's getting drunk and going driving and, or whatever, or somebody who just smokes constantly like a chimney in front of me. I'm going to talk to them eventually, you know, that, hey, you get cancer, dude. Even the Surgeon General tells you right in that pack that, you know, it can cause cancer, you know, because I love you. And just like I'll tell you, don't be a reviler, you know. Speak the truth in love. So the BAG says, uh, pertaining to a, the passive member in a same-sex relationship, effeminate, especially, uh, it says, of men and boys who are sodomized by other males in such a relationship. Okay? Uh, now, this is interesting. It's not only used of sexual acts, but also of people who change the outward form of their body into the opposite gender. Okay? And uh, it's interesting because the historian Josephus, you hear Josephus, Josephus in the Jewish Wars quoted a lot. He's one of the most renowned historians ever. He's a first century historian, a Jewish historian. He writes about, he says, flee from those who have deprived themselves of their manhood. Flee from those who have deprived themselves from their manhood and its fruit. By reason of the effeminacy of their soul, they have changed the sex of their body also. This is not a new thing, guys. And Jews understood that this was condemned, you know. Uh, in fact, Philo the Jew, you can look him up. He was a philosopher, history guy, all kinds of, one of the most prominent Jews uh, in the second century. And he's commenting on the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1. And he states that, quote, if a man's testicles are crushed or his penis is cut off, he may not be admitted into the assembly of the Lord. He goes on to state, who be, he speaks of these men who belie their sex and are affected with effemination. Uh, for it expels those whose sex organs are fractured or mutilated and restamp the masculine cast into a feminine form. He's warning that those who were not allowed in the temple, if they would do, you know, have a sex change, he's applying it to sex changes and so forth. And, uh, and yet we're having artists, you know, who are, you know... And by the way, it's important to know that the Dove Awards just took place recently, okay? Uh, and the Dove Awards is Contemporary Christian Music Awards. It's the biggest Christian Contemporary Music Awards. Uh, he and, 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 and Flamey Grant, you know, they went to the Dove Awards. Let's check it out on a, maybe a pick here. It's that group pick. Uh, and you'll see him in his dress that I just, you just saw recently next to uh, Flamey Grant. And pray for these guys. Because can you imagine? They're not just you know, because they're in rebellion of what God's word teaches, but they're trying to lead other people, young people. Music, Christian music directed a lot of young people. And Jesus said, it's better that a large millstone be hung around your neck, right? And you'd be thrown in the depths of the sea, right? Than the fate that you're going to suffer if you just lead one of my little ones astray. Just one. You just have to lead one of his little ones astray. Okay? Now we're trying to be serious about being in God's word right now, right? Now are you focusing on God's word? That's important because we need to know what his word says. We need to know what's going on out there. See, keep in mind in Romans 1, when it talks about homosexuality, it says in Romans 1, and I've referenced this before, so I'll say it quickly, but a lot of you maybe, you know, we have a lot of new people always listening by live stream and so forth and, and visitors that come, is, in, is there's a Greek word for love. The most popular Greek word is agape, okay, which is the Greek noun or agapao. Greek verb for agape, love. It's used of a sold-out kind of love. Then there's a Greek word, eros. That has to do with like a romantic love, eros, in, in a family relationship, and it's used properly. That's not used in the Bible, but the word agape is. But then there's a Greek word for, for brotherly love. What's that word? Phileo. That's right. Phileo. Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, comes from that word, phileo, right? That's in the Bible, and agape is in the Bible. Those two, but there's one more Greek word for love in the Bible. Do you know what the third Greek word for love is in the Bible? Anybody remember? Storge. Storge. Amen. Amen, bro. Jeremy, right on. Storge. Storge is a word for family love. It's only used with a prefix before it. 
what we would call the letter A in the Greek. It's the letter alpha, first letter of the Greek alphabet, alpha. And when it's put before a word, it negates the word. Like, you know, Gnosticism means knowing we have a knowledge. But an agnostic with the alpha or the A in front, agnostic means I don't, I'm agnostic. If someone says I'm agnostic, what are they saying? It's connected to the word ignoramus, actually. It means I don't know anything, you know, about anything, you know, I don't know anything religious. And that's all of us before we come to know Jesus, amen? So it's not something to be ashamed unless you want to be that way. Then that's not really good. The Bible says we're supposed to seek God's word, his knowledge, and his wisdom as a treasure, amen? Or the word theist, if, you're the word, if you hear the word theist, that means someone who believes in God. But what's someone called who doesn't believe in God? Atheist, amen? No theism, I don't believe in God. The word storge means family love. In Romans chapter 1, it talks about how God gives people over to a degenerate mind, a reprobate mind. Amen? And men will be with men, and women will be with women, and men will be with men doing unseemly things in their body, things that are, un it says, Paul says, are unnatural. Even if you never looked at your Bible, you say, that's not natural. Two men like that, I mean, and they're not producing children, and sadly, it brings a lot of diseases, actually. It doesn't bring life. And it's heartbreaking. And then you see what the word says. It says it's unnatural. In fact, it's Paul's letter to the Romans. Look at what happened to the Roman Empire. The guy who beheaded Paul, at least many historians believe that Nero beheaded Paul, he had a little boy he had castrated for his lover, and he married him in a marriage ceremony named Spiros. Okay? Romans needed to hear this. Okay? They were going way off. But it's interesting when you think about what the scriptures say here, because in Romans 1, he goes on to say, that these folks that are like this will be without storge, a storge. They'll be without what? Storge. Family love. It's only used one other time in the New Testament. In 2 Timothy 3, it's very instructive. Know this, that in the latter times, some will, I'm sorry, know this, latter times, terrible times will come. King James, perilous time will come. Men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, without, listen, here it is, here it comes, without natural affection. The Greek word is without storge, a storge. <coughs> without family love. In the last days, that's what would be happening. Is that what happened today? Yeah. And a lot of it's not by accident. We know there's guys like Aleister Crowley, the most highly regarded Satanist, who's influenced so much of pop culture. He says family, family is public enemy number one, and the marriage institution is insidious. There's an assault on your morals. Why do you think it's so difficult for police officers these days? What, because the, Jesus said lawlessness would increase. Amen? People would just be going nuts. The love of many would grow cold. So people without agape, they're without phileo, because when he said the love of many would grow cold, he used agape there. They're without a commitment kind of love. Amen? And they're without natural affection, storge, men with men. Okay? I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to talk like this, guys, to be honest with you. But by the grace of God, give me strength, Lord. Even if I'm thrown in prison or I lose my head, you know, praise God. I mean, you try to kill, there's millions of us that have this conviction. So, and the Bible says there'll be this short period of time, 42 months, when the Antichrist reigns. But man, we always say annihilation is glorification, amen. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, amen. And we need to know if we do get persecuted to the point of even death, we're with Jesus forever, amen? And, and we would rather speak the truth and win the people that are lost to Christ and not tell them the truth. If I see people headed for a cliff, going off of a cliff, and I, I, they're careening off a cliff, and they don't realize how fast they're going on the road, and I can catch up to them because there's a cliff up there, and they are clueless because, hey, I know the road's washed out. I'm going to do what I can. Honk my horn. If I, don't, don't, don't. Stop. Well, I'm going to do that to people that are going off a cliff into the lake of fire, even more so, amen? If I don't, I don't love them. Okay? So this is very, very important, you guys. We have to love people enough to warn them. Okay? And then we have to remember that's us. That could be us. We could be that person very easily that's in whatever sin. And, you know, some people say, yeah, wow, homosexuality, man. I, I, can, if you ever think, uh, at least I'm an adulterer, at least I'm not a homosexual, they're both in the same list of those who now inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. Heterosexual, whatever. You know, you need to make sure you know Jesus. That's the key. Because all of us are sinners. All of us deserve death, you know? And a lot of times people want to say, okay, well, at least I'm not this. That's what the religious guy in the temple did, right? Well, I'm not like that guy. It's like, yeah, you are like that guy. The difference is, is he's admitting he's a sinner and crying out for help. 
and you're not dealing with your sin. We need to make sure we take our sin to the cross. Now, what's going on here, guys? How does this guy that I showed you in the dress, the smaller guy with the, you know, with the black dress, Derek Webb, who's written a lot of songs, you don't want to miss this part either. How does he, how does he, uh, I would say there's the guy, but he's walking with two, so he's good. So praise the Lord. We love you guys, man. Praise the Lord. Okay. You got to have a little levity, you know, because otherwise your heart will just, just be crying all the time, you know. So, uh, but guys, this is really, 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 really serious. Because when you think about it, I mean, Jesus said, enter the straight gate. For broad is the way, right? Broad is the gate, and spacious the way leads to destruction, and many go that way. But narrow is the gate, and straight is the way leads to life, and few are those who find it, amen? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's why we preach Jesus. That's why we preach the cross, amen? They died for the world. Everyone's invited. He's inclusive to open the door to anybody that will come to him and turn from sin and repent and get right with him, amen? But how does this happen? How did this happen to Derek Webb, one of the writers and musicians or in, in Kadem's Call? Well, part of it was because he gave in. He gave in. I was looking at one of his songs called Crooked Deep Down, you know? And it's about being crooked. Deep down, he knows he's crooked, and his friends would tell you if you knew the real him, and that he has to deal with these thoughts. Well, welcome to the real world. Even as Christians, we have to deal with tempting thoughts and stuff, right? We have to cast them down and make sure we don't follow them, right? And that's important that we get that. And this is very, very important. We want to make sure we do not commit apostasy. We want to make sure we do not allow our love to grow cold. Amen? We want to make sure we remain humble because God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. Amen? We want to make sure we persevere to the end. So how do we do that? How do we apply this to our lives and we leave here so this doesn't happen to us? 1 Timothy 4.1, I mentioned it earlier, I'll quote it more specifically now, when Paul says, the Holy Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctors of demons. By the way, we're in the middle of 1 Timothy chapter 4 on our Wednesday studies. We've been doing some topical things. We're going to get back to that and finish that book. But then he gets into the emphasis, not exercising yourself just to physically, which is good for little, but exercise yourself unto godliness, which is good for much, not only in this world and the world to come. He talks about being in the Word of God. Now, this is a trip. He goes on to warn. This is important. You understand this. In 1 Timothy 4, 16, he says, because this is how you don't fall away. He says, watch your life. Some translations say behavior. Watch your life or your behavior and watch your doctrine. So you need to watch your life. Do you care about your, your life? Do you live a holy life? And then watch your doctrine, what you believe. Make sure it's right. Because the Bible warns about different gospels, different Jesuses, right? Warns about different false doctrines that could lead you astray. Like when I read Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, he says, don't be deceived, right? The unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom, right? And I read that passage, and I'm like, wait, wow, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then all of a sudden I go to a church and they start saying, no, you can be involved in adultery, Joe, and you can be a fornicator, you can be a feminine homosexual. You'll still inherit the kingdom of God. You'll just lose your rewards. And then all of a sudden, the pastor's saying that? The Christians there believe that? And let's say I'm struggling with some kind of temptation? That's throwing gas on the fire of my flesh. Do you understand that? And then all of a sudden you go for it, and then all of a sudden you've been deceived. Paul said, don't be deceived. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen? So it's critical that we understand how serious this is. Doctrine, it matters. Watch your life and your doctrine. He says, in so doing, check it out, listen. Why? In so doing, you'll save yourself and those who what? Hear you. Amen? Well, how do you save yourself? Well, he saves us. Amen? But if I'm watching my life, my doctrine, I'm fearing and loving him. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Amen? I'm continuing to follow him. And then you'll save those who hear you. Why? Because you'll warn them to stay on the straight and narrow road. Because it's Jesus, the straight and narrow road leads to life. He is the life. Amen? That's why that's so important. Now, it's interesting because uh, when I'm looking at this guy, how did he get to where he was? Well, he's struggling. 
He says he was involved in pornography 20 years, had a hidden life. Even though, keep in mind, I say when you look at Christian music, man, don't, you need to make sure the lyrics are encouraging and they're biblical. Amen? But you should also look, and you can't always know, but the lifestyle of the artist. What are they promoting in their life? What's their lifestyle like? A, bad, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. Amen? Well, I'm looking at this Derek Webb, and... And he went through a divorce. And he went through a divorce because he was sleeping with someone outside of his marriage, committing adultery against his wife. And then, in my view, he totally fell away because he wasn't watching his life. And go to Hebrews chapter 3. You need to watch your life. You need to watch your walk with God. You need to make sure you don't harden your heart and let sin harden your heart. In fact, look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, verse 1, Go to Hebrews 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, he's warning Christians, not non-Christians, partakers of a heavenly calling. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Right? So we're supposed to consider Jesus, keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Verse 6. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we what? Hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope up into the altar call. Is that what it says? No, firm until when? Firm until the end. Then look at verse 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So the holy brethren, the brethren, we're supposed, that's us, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're supposed to take care, right, that there not be in any one of us an evil and unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. We have to make sure that we don't become hardened in our hearts and that we're dealing with temptation, we, we ask for strength and praise the Lord. He says that there's no temptation that's taking you but that which is common to man. Don't think, oh, I've got temptations nobody else has ever seen. I'm tempted to put a dress on. Well, guess what? Other people have had that. We've just seen this right up there, right? We see what the scriptures say. It's been a problem for a long time because Satan is the God of this fallen world system, amen? He'll put wicked thoughts in your mind that are unnatural. They're not from God. They're unnatural. We wrestle against flesh and blood. So it's important that you see that there's deception around. And he says to not, you know, look at verse 13. But encourage one another day after day as long as it's still what? Called today. So that none of you will be what? Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. He's concerned that they'll be hardened because of sin. If you just give in to sin, your heart will become hard toward God. Your heart will become hard toward your family. Your heart become hard toward other people. In fact, he warns us. Look at verse 7. Back at verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, what? Do not what? Harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. So do we have a choice or not whether we allow our hearts to be hardened? Yes or no? Yes. Is it somewhat clear or really clear? Really. really clear. In fact, when he says there's no temptation in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Right before he says that in verse, he says in verse 12, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You have a choice. You have to take heed and make sure you don't fall. Then he says there's no temptation that's taking you, but that which is common to man. And I love the next part of that verse. But God is faithful. Look at he brought Israel to become a nation again. We have a faithful God, amen? amen. After almost 2,000 years, man, he's faithful. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be what? Tempted beyond what you're able, but what? Give you a way of escape, an ekbasis, and that's the Greek word that was used of a mountain pass, like if you were in warfare and you were surrounded, there was an ekbasis, a mountain pass, so you wouldn't have to get destroyed. Well, guess what? Sometimes you feel hemmed in. We always have a mountain pass. We always have Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'll give you an ekbasis, so you have, he'll give us strength. He's faithful to give us strength to endure it. Amen? A way of escape. He empowers us, and Jesus is the way through every temptation, man. You need to seek him through it. Amen? Then right after he says, therefore, flee idolatry. So we have a choice. By the way, anybody who says you don't have a choice, and that there's no free choice, look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You can't read that verse and, and say we have no choice. You're contradicting the word of God. Everything's not scripted. Everything's not predetermined. Okay? You have a choice, and you will answer to God for the choices, and I will too, that we make regarding our lives. So you also have a choice not to allow yourself to be deceived by the deceitfulness of sin and allow your heart to become hardened, whereby you what? Verse 12, take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that what? Falls away from the living God. 
Verse 13, but what? Encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ if we what? Hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until what? Until the end. Amen? It's about our final salvation. Now, I think what happened with this guy is two things. His, doc, his, his life was wrong, right? He wasn't overcoming sin. He was battling with it. Because this guy's now, last I saw, he's a professed atheist. But he's going to the devil wards. Talking about Webb now, Derek Webb, who's one of the members of Cadem's Call. He's still one of the active members of Cadem's Call. Inactive, active, but he's still part of Cadem's Call, the band. Even though he's, you know, involved in all this stuff. Bringing in the church, this, we shouldn't be talking about this right now. It just blows me away. I kind of get my brain around it. Like, wow, Lord, how far we have fallen. But you know what? He got his, watch your life and your what? He wasn't watching his heart. He wasn't watching his life. You need to watch your heart. You need to watch your life, amen? When the temptations come in, man, you need to cast them down. Hey, guess what, man? You have a family? Don't let your family down, man. Stick to Jesus, amen? Well, I don't have a family. Yeah, you do. If you're a Christian, you're part of the family of God. That's the most important family in the, planet, in the universe, amen? You need to be there to strengthen your family. Watch your life and your doctrine so you're not saving all yourself, but you'll save who? Those who hear you, amen? God wants to use you to be a blessing to others. You hurt other people. You don't just hurt yourself when you go and choose sin over Jesus. Don't do it, man. Don't ruin. Don't hurt the family of God. Don't hurt your own soul, amen? Well, he didn't watch his life, and I'll say this. He didn't watch his doctrine. Because listen to Kadem's cause lyrics. They teach a very strong view of determinism. They're the most Calvinistic band I've ever heard of, honestly. There may be more, but not, not made as big as these guys. And they basically sing about you don't have a choice in your salvation. And therefore, not having a choice in your salvation, they didn't have any assurance of their salvation. Their songs show that they're wondering if they're even saved, if God even chose them. And then they get, they, they're worried about getting bitter toward God. And that seems to be what happened to this guy. Listen to this song. This song is called Prove Me Wrong. He wants God to prove him wrong and prove that he, he's really chosen after all and that God didn't choose him for damnation instead. Listen to this. Sometimes I fear maybe I'm not chosen. Do you need to have that fear? No. Many are called, but few are chosen. The ones that are chosen are the ones who respond to the call. As long as you're seeking Jesus, you can know you're chosen. Amen? Because you know Jesus died for the entire world. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Amen? And he's never cast away anybody that's come to him. But he writes, or they write, sometimes I fear maybe I'm not chosen. You've hardened my heart like Pharaoh. That would explain why life is so hard for me. Now, does God warn, don't, does God say, well, you may get hardened, not be choice, chosen, not have a choice, or does he tell us not to harden our hearts? He tells us not to harden our hearts, amen? And I can show you where, where Pharaoh hardened his own heart as well. He said, and I am sad, or he says this, and I am sad Esau hated. He thinks he's Esau in the song, crying against what's fated. I mean, I'm chosen to be damned like Esau. This is what the song, this is what the songs, the lyrics are singing. No wonder the guy's struggling. Saying, Father, please, is there any left for me? Cast out my doubts, please prove me wrong. Because these demons, and yeah, demons will use these doctrines. These are doctrines that are very demonic. Because these demons can uh, be so headstrong. Make my walls fall, please prove me wrong. Because this resentment has been building. His heart's getting hard toward God. And resentment's been building. Burn them up with your fire so strong. If you, uh, if you can, before I bail. Bail, and I think it's a pun, B-A-A-L. Like go to a false god, Baal or Baal. Please prove me wrong. I fear maybe this is just a game our friends and our families play too. He says toward the end of the song, don't let my doubts prove true, you know. But the Bible calls us to have assurance of salvation. You know Jesus died for you, amen. Taste of death for everyone, Amen. So, but he, these guys can't have assurance of salvation. They don't know, they're not sure God's, they start struggling with their sin. They wonder, maybe I'm not one of the elect. Well, everybody's going to struggle with sin from time to time, right? In fact, every day you've got to take up your cross, deny yourself at flesh, amen, and follow him. So, and the Bible says, he that has a son, 1 John 5, 12, has a life. He that does not have a son does not have a life, amen? And I love verse 13. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life, Amen. As Christians, we can know, because we know Jesus died for us, and that we're saved by grace through faith, that if we're trusting him because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, and his amazing grace, that he'll receive us, amen? 
Because that's his heart. He really wants you. But you cannot save by your good works. You're saved. As many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Amen? Amen. And what's crazy is he didn't even write that song. That's another guy who wrote that song. But here's one of his songs that he wrote. Webb wrote this song, Goodbye for Now. Same kind of lyrics. Listen to this. So either you aren't real or I'm just not chosen. Maybe I'll never know. Either way, my heart is broken. As I say, goodbye for now. Come on, guys. What's he saying? Uh, either I'm not chosen or it's not real. You don't even exist. And I guess like he was struggling enough with his sin. He goes, okay, well, the Calvinism was just destroying him. And it breaks my heart because people are teaching this. And they, they, they think they're sincere. Most people that teach this, they just don't understand the scriptures. And then they're teaching this. And then this happens, by the way, this has happened to, these are two different writers of the same band. The struggles they're going through, guys, happens to millions of people. That's not what you read in the first century church, second century church, third century church. Not everybody's struggling with whether they're chosen or not. Just the Gnostics were struggling with that. So it's really, 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 really heartbreaking. Well, what do we do? Look at verse, 14, verse 13. Verse 13, what does it say? But encourage what? One another. How often? Day after day. We need to be encouraging each other. Amen. And don't sit around and say, yeah, I need more encouragement. No, if you're struggling with things, you need to be encouraging people. You know, one of the best ways to be an overcomer is to be involved in ministry, man. Do the work that God set before you, amen? And don't worry. If you're doing God's work, you'll be plenty encouraged with, by God's people. And when you feel God's people are encouraging you, guess who will encourage you? The God of all comfort, amen? He's the God of all comfort. He'll encourage you, amen? amen. Just look to him and put your trust in him because people will let you down, okay? But God will never let you down. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen? If you're seeking him, man, and you're trusting him, he's fully faithful. Amen? He's there for you. Now, I love this verse, and I'll end with this verse. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. After he mentions adulterers and homosexuals and fornicators and effeminate and drunkards not inherit God's kingdom. In verse 11, right after that, listen to what he says. Some of you were once like that. Such were some of you. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God, justified with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. So praise God. The church is made up of X, all kinds of things. In fact, any of us who are saved, we're an X something, or an X something now. Amen? We all are. Amen? And, and, if, and if you struggle with adultery, that doesn't mean you walk around there with a big A on your back. Oh, that person was an adulterer at one time. No, you walk around saying, praise God, and we say praise God with you. We don't even care what you did in the past. We just say, praise God, you're saved. Or whatever sin you're involved in. But you need to get right with Jesus, amen? amen. If you're listening to this message today, and you're not a Christian, we love you. We are all, and this fellowship is filled with people who are involved in, whether it's adultery or fornication or drugs or violence or, or, or you know, drunkenness or homosexuality or effeminate, all kinds of things. Praise God, he's delivered us. He's delivering hundreds of millions of people all the time. And brothers, if you're listen, brothers and sisters, if you're listening to me and you are saved, keep walking with Jesus, man. Stand fast in the faith, amen. Do not give in, amen. If you don't know Jesus, turn to him now because he died for your sins and paid for everything you've ever done wrong. And he rose and he conquered the grave, amen. If you put your trust in him, he did say he will never cast you away, amen. If, if you're trusting him, amen. Let's all please stand. Praise God. What awesome God we have. Amen. Praise God. Yeah.